Thank you, Lord, for this this time. I thank you, Father, and I'm trusting you and, and believing that I have utterance from the Holy Spirit today. Father God, I pray that you would help me to speak what you want me to say today. Um, and I pray that the people would get it. Whatever it is, it could be different for each one here, Lord, but I pray that your word would land on their heart um, and spark change on the inside of them. We give you all the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, let's turn to Romans 8. Y'all believe with me today, we're going to, whatever it is God has for you, you're going to get it. I'm going to get it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right, Romans 8. Verse 28, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Amen. And I'm going to read this also in the Amplified. All right, Romans 8, 28. We are assured and know that God being a partner in their labor, this kind of goes back to what we were just saying, he's a partner in our labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good to and for those who love God and are called according to his design and purpose. For those he, he foreknew of whom he was aware and loved beforehand, he also destined from the beginning for ordaining them to be molded into the image of his son and share inwardly his likeness that he might become the firstborn among many brethren. And so this, this tells us right here why we are here. Right? He foreknew us. He, he foreknew us and loved us beforehand. And he destined for us to be molded into the image of his son. Amen. That he, that Jesus might become the firstborn among many brethren. Brethren, right? That, the family. He, he destined for us, the father, God did, destined for you and I to be molded into the image of his son and be, be part of his family. That is why we are here. Amen. Praise the Lord. So our, our job is to become molded into the image of Jesus. And when we, when we think of a mold, it's, it's not molded into if it's already that shape. Right? There's things that need to be changed to, to, make, to fit into that mold. And all the ladies can testify when you've tried to get into a pair of jeans that... that you're no longer molded for. <laughs> Who's changing? I mean, if you want to wear those jeans, the jeans aren't changing, you know, unless you're a seamstress and can rip out the seams, you know. You're changing to fit into that, right? That's like Jesus. He's not changing to fit into our mold. 
we're to be changed to fit into his mold. Because we know this, he, he, even though he was the son of God, he came and he lived on this earth as a man. But he was a man without sin. We had to have that example because Adam and Eve did not set that example. That's what God intended it for them to do. But that's not what happened. And so he had to have another man come to live, to show that it's possible. Amen? It's, in God, it's possible. So we're to be molded into his image. And so, praise God, it's a continual process, that molding. It's, we've, none of us have arrived. And so what I want to do is I want to start looking at the life of Jesus. Amen. How did he live? How did he live his life? What example did he set? For, if we were to be molded into his image, we got to know, well, what did he do? How did he do it? How was he? What's his character? Because we want to be more like him. Amen. And so that is our call, is to become more like Jesus. Amen. And not to be a Christian in name only. Amen. It should mean something. When we say we're a Christian, that should mean something to people when they hear that. It should not. I really don't like it because I'm afraid. I'm not, that's not the right terminology, I know. <laughs> you go out in the, into wherever and say you're a Christian, and I'm, I'm concerned that that doesn't mean anything to the people hearing it. And so that's a problem, and it's not the world's fault. It's our fault because we should be different than the world. Amen. We should be more like Jesus. And so we're going to start talking about that. We're going to start talking about following in the footsteps of Jesus. Amen. And so, praise God. The times I have coming up preaching, Lord willing, we're going to just be delving into that a little bit more. Amen. And pastor will come back and and re-preach my message. <laughs> well, if he does that, it's because we didn't get it the first time. All right. Let's, let's look at something here before we really get into this. Let's look at Acts 17. I'm picking on him when he's not here because he picks on me. When I am here. <laughs> All right. Acts 17. Start, and I hope you like to scripture because we're going to be reading some today. Okay, Acts 17, starting verse 22. All right, now Paul was in Athens. And he's addressing a group of people there. Okay, it says, in, starting in verse 22, it says, Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus, I don't know. I'm saying that wrong, I know. And said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. Now, I'm pretty sure that was not a compliment. <laughs> That's not a compliment. He's not being complimentary here. He says, for as I was passing through in considering the objects of your worship. So there were, they had objects of their worship, plural. Um, and he even found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. 
Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation. Not one blood of every nation. doesn't matter the nation. We're all of one blood. Of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord. Why did he form them? So that they should seek the Lord. In the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. We, we don't live or move or have anything without him. He is the reason we are even here. And for us to just go, he will let you. He will let you live your life as if that is not true. But it is. Amen. For we, okay, and then it says, For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own prophets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. Amen. So there's a lot of things we can gather from this passage. But notice, they were worshiping something. Amen. They were religious. But their religion, all their religious things, it didn't mean anything. And really what they had were a bunch of idols. And that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. And so we have to get rid of idolatry in our life. And you say, well, I don't worship idols. Well, anything that would take God's place in your life is an idol. Just anything that takes his spot in your life is an idol. Um, he, he's the Lord. He's the Lord. Not these objects man creates. Man can create, we've seen it all throughout the scripture, man creating something you can see to worship. Amen. And, and people are worshiping all kinds of things, and they may not be calling it that, but that's what it is. Amen. But this says, God, he's God. He's the one who gives life. He, we did not create God. That's why this is, this is saying, like, all these things you create, that is not God. And by the way, you cannot create God. There's nothing, gold, silver, we cannot fashion God. We, he was not our idea. We were his idea. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. And so why did he create people? Why did he set them in their place in their time? So that we could seek him. 
Amen. So that we can seek him. Praise God. We owe our very existence to him. He, he created us to have fellowship with him. Amen. He created us to be a part of his family. Um, and he sent Jesus for it because, you know, we, I don't even have time to go through all of that about Adam and Eve fallen and all that. But Jesus came so that we could have that fellowship with God. Amen. Amen. And, and we can't take credit for any of it. And he expects us, according to verse 30, he, expe- he commands. It's not a suggestion. He commands that all men everywhere repent. Amen. Praise the Lord. And it's really sad. We, we don't want to be puppets, right? We don't want to be a puppet to God. And he didn't make us that way. He made us to choose. But he wants us to choose him because, he, you know, he's life. But it's kind of like with your kids, you know. You don't want to force them to love you and spend time with you. So he, he doesn't want to force us to do that. And he's not going to. He's not going to force you. Um, but he wants to. He wants that fellowship with you. Amen? So we are here to become uh, conformed to Jesus' image. And we are here to seek him. Praise God. And, you know, as a believer, when you believe in Jesus, you will go to heaven. You know, we've been washed and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Um, but we are going to stand before him. We are going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. This In verse 31, it says that all, right, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man. We will stand before Jesus to give an account, even as Christians. How did we live our life? Amen? And do we want, to, we know this, we want to hear, well done. Right? We don't want to get up there and he goes, well, Come on in. You know, we don't want that. We want to go, well done. None of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. So, Jesus is the Son of God, lived on life on earth as a man, but he is without sin. And so, he is our godly example. Amen. So, that's what we're going to be focusing on. How did he live? I want to live like that. I want to be like that. So, what did he do? Let's, okay, go to Luke 2. Praise the Lord. He did, we could talk all year about what did he do, how did he live, and never exhaust it all. So we're just hitting a few points today. Praise the Lord. But let's start when he's young, okay? Luke 2. Verse 39. Y'all there? Okay, starting in verse 39 says, So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth. And, uh, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, is that me? Yeah. 
Okay. Praise the Lord. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, hopefully we'll stop that. Okay. Okay. When they finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know. Now, I mean, kids, okay, we want to be like Jesus, but don't be trying this at home, okay? Don't be doing this, you kids. Don't be doing that. Okay, but supposing he, they thought he was with them. They, they did what they needed to do in Jerusalem, and they had a bunch of people with them, okay? Their whole entourage was traveling back home. He wasn't there. They assumed he was there where he should have been. You know, he should have been with his parents, right? Uh, but he wasn't. He stayed behind. And listen, in verse 26, it says, Now, so it was that after three days they found him in the temple. I mean, so they had to go on a search for him. And then they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions, and all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And so when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, why did you do that to us? Why, why weren't you with us? You ought to, you know, we've looked for you. You had us worried. And he said to them, why did you seek me? I mean, if your kid said that to you, you'd be like, well. Okay. Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And they did not understand what he, what, that at the time. But what, where did they find him? They found him. He was not off with his buddies somewhere in the back alley doing things he shouldn't have been doing. He was in the temple. Amen. He was in the temple. Woo. Doesn't like me today. You know, it's just the power of God. <laughs> it's just the glory and the anointing. Um, he was in the temple, and he wasn't just sitting in the temple. He was asking questions. He was listening. He was interested in learning. This is the Son of God. The Son of God, at 12 years old, knew he needed to be in church, and he needed to be learning something. He did not think and, and realize, I'm the son of God. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one they've been prophesying about. And take that to mean, well, he already knew everything. This is Jesus. Okay? So what, he, he was a student. So that's one thing we need to get from Jesus' life. He was a student. Amen? Amen. Uh, we need to be a student of the word. If Jesus needed to be a student, we need to be a student. Amen. Amen. Just because you're raised up in church all your life, you need to be a student. He was at church. He was in a place to learn, and he, he did not assume that he knew it all because he was the son of God. And so how interested are you in learning Amen. There, there's a danger to think you, that you've heard it all. You know, I, every, every once in a while, I, I have to check myself, you know. I need to go into every message. Every time I open my Bible, I need to go in assuming there's something more I have not seen here. 
There's something I have not gotten from this yet that I need to. Amen. There's layers of revelation in the word. Amen. So be teachable. Don't stop being a student. Amen. And we're not, we're not just after head knowledge either. Amen. We're after revelation knowledge. Praise God. There's a lot of people that think they know a lot of things about the word. And they're quick sometimes to tell you all that they know about the word. Um, but that is not necessarily revelation knowledge. Because there is a big difference. And <clears throat> I think some of us still, this is something that we need to get, people who have been in our circles for a long time. Okay, that revelation knowledge is, is life. Revelation knowledge is not the same thing as knowing something intellectually. Okay, because revelation knowledge will change things in your life. Amen. It's when your heart gets it. You know, not being, just not quoting a scripture, but your heart is, there is, you know, when you have revelation knowledge about something, because it will just seem to just come alive in you. It's not just something you learn about, but it's like you're there. Amen. Let's, uh, let's flip over to Romans 2. Romans 2, <clears throat> verse 17, it says, Indeed, you are called a Jew, and rest on the law, and make your boast in God. Many people boast in God, don't they? Um, and know his will, and approve the things that are excellent, being instructed out of the law, and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who, who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, having the form of knowledge and truth in the law. You, therefore, who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? You who say do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? Okay, there's, that's the difference between head knowledge and revelation knowledge. We don't have revelation knowledge if we're doing the very thing that we're telling other people not to do. Amen. He's talking here to people who should know better. They were trained. They were instructed in the law. Amen. They should know better. They have had knowledge, but not revelation. And it did not produce a change in their life. So I, I, I would say if you're really, truly not interested in the change that would take place by having revelation knowledge, don't worry about it. You won't get it. <laughs> revelation knowledge is not going to just take you over if you don't want it. You know what I'm saying? If you're not really interested in going in here and saying, 
I realize there's probably things in here I don't understand the way I think I understand them. Um, and I'm willing to make adjustments to what I always thought or believed if the word says something different. Okay? If you're not really willing to make those changes, don't worry. But you're, you won't get the revelation knowledge. Okay? Um, it, revelation knowledge requires more than scanning the word. And there's nothing wrong with re- taking a read through the Bible. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. But you just reading through the Bible and just your, the word's going in and it's going out and it's, you know, I read that, right? I read it. I read it through. Well, what did it, anything land on you? It would be better to take a scripture and just sit there with it. Amen? Yeah, meditate on it. Revelation knowledge, you can't just get it on your own. Revelation knowledge comes by, from the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. It's, by the, it's the same way that you can go to church as a child for a long time and not really ever since any draw to come to Jesus, but then there's that time. <laughs> Those of you who have been saved, you know there is that time you're sitting in church. You've done it a million times before, but then there's that day, right, that you feel that pull. That is the Holy Spirit. That's not you just getting nervous. Or that is a pull from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Amen? And that's the same way with, he will help you in that same way with the scripture. That you can read a passage over and over and over and over, but then there's that time. That you read it and you're like, oh my gosh, that's right. That, like, you knew that was right, but I know it's right. Oh my God, you know, it's alive. Okay, you have to have faith to accurately understand the scripture. Amen. And so, how I would say to do this would how you got to meditate on, and I don't mean. Mm, I mean, take this scripture. Take this scripture. Amen. What's well, a good scripture? Yeah, He works in me the will and the to do of His good pleasure. That's somewhere else in my notes. But so you take that scripture and say, okay, that sounds good. He works in me the will and the to do of his good pleasure. He works. You, you meditate. You sit there. And when you do that, first pray to God. Say, God, help me. I'm going to read the word. And I ask for understanding. Holy Spirit, open my eyes. Open my eyes to the truth of the word. Amen. So at, trust him. We have to have faith even to understand the word with revelation knowledge. So just trust him to give it to you and then sit there in the scripture. And he may prompt a specific scripture. If he does, do that scripture. And you're going to meditate on it. You're going to mutter it. You're going to talk about it. You're going to think You're going to think about it. You're going to just ponder it over and over and over. And revelation will come. It will, that scripture will become alive to you. Amen. Praise God. So thank him for giving you the revelation, and then change will come. When you have revelation knowledge about a word, that word will cause change in your life. Amen.
Praise God. Praise God. There's another scripture. Don't go there, but in 2 Timothy 3, 7, it says something about, you know, those people that always are learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. So just knowing the word doesn't mean you have knowledge of the truth of that word. Amen. So we need to be a student. Jesus was a student. We need to be a student. We, if he didn't know it all, we for sure don't. He, and he was about his father's business. That's the main thing that I was, I skipped it, but of this particular message in following the footsteps of, of Jesus is that he was about his father's business. So he was a student of the word. Okay. Now let's go to John five so my prayer for today was that as we're preaching this word revelation will come amen, amen. even in a new way because you can you can have revelation about a scripture but you you may see something that different that you haven't seen before about that scripture amen john five What else did Jesus do? John 5, 30. He says, this is Jesus, I can of myself do nothing. Well, now that's a statement right there. Jesus can of himself do nothing. So why do we think, <laughs> why do we think we can do it on our own? There's so much Jesus is our example. I mean, if we would just learn about Jesus and follow his example, just like you're watching uh, your friend or your parent or whoever that you've looked up to and you just, man, they've got it all together. I want to be like that, okay? And so you kind of try to emulate some things. Well, no, Jesus is the better example. I don't care how good anybody is in your life that you look up to or admire. Jesus is the better example. Amen. <laughs> so... If he doesn't have it together, if he knows he can't do anything without God's help, then we can't. I can't of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous. Because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. <laughs> Jesus. He did not seek his own will. He sought the will of the Father. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you, if you do nothing but leave here today and go, wow, I need to, maybe I shouldn't just be seeking what I want. What does God want? He's our example. Being about the Father's business, it includes seeking God's will in the direction for your life. And in your decisions. Amen. Big and small. Now, I don't think that God really cares, you know, what shoes you wear today. But, I mean, he cares who you marry. He cares what church you go to. He cares about the call he's put on your life or of service to him, whether it's ministry or you've got a ministry elsewhere and out in the world with your profession. He cares about where you live. He may care about the house or the car you buy because he may know, oh, yeah, that's a lemon, and you don't want that. You know? But if we never ask him about it, he's not going to tell you. He's not going to 
God's not a manipulator. People will manipulate. Okay, but God is not a manipulator. He will let you make the wrong decision. So, even in the most difficult of situations, think about what Jesus, I mean, what he was facing. He knew that ultimately he was going to the cross. I can't think of a greater challenge against your flesh and your mind. Can you? Than knowing that you're going to be crucified, the punishment of the entire world is going to fall on you. But even in that, and he, he recognized, he's like, oh, Lord, <laughs> if this cup can pass from me, right? But not my will, yours be done. We need to do the same thing. If, if, I don't think anybody is being offered up for crucifixion. We don't need that anymore, right? <laughs> he did it. He did it for all of us. We, nobody else needs to be crucified for the sins of the world. He already did that. Um, and, but, you know, his will would have not had him go to the cross. If it just being a man and his, his flesh and his mind, he would have chosen not to go to the cross. Any sane, rational person would choose not to go to the cross. Um, that would have been more pleasing to Jesus, probably. Okay, but he, he could have followed his own path. But he said, not my will. Not my will. And so that needs to be our heart cry. Not my will, Lord, but yours be done in my life. Amen. And wherever you are on your path in life, if you're not on God's path, just you need to get, just get on it. Just get on it. He's got lots of on-ramps. You took, an on, you took an off-ramp that was under construction, but he's got, he's got already constructed on-ramps, okay? I just want to stand there, and that's... <laughs> the, the very important thing is that you consult God. Consult God more than... It's not wrong to get counsel from other people if it's godly counsel, okay, or wise people, but the, the most important counsel is God's counsel, because sometimes God's counsel will be something that doesn't make sense. Or that might look like that's not the right decision. Amen. But God's counsel is the best counsel. Amen. And don't assume that you know God's will. Sometimes our assumptions are wrong. And I heard a story one time. About, about some individuals who they were moving, okay? They were moving houses. I'll leave all the names out. And, you know, when you move, you got to move appliances and stuff. And they're big. <laughs> and so sometimes you got to take stuff off to move it, right? So these people, they were moving a refrigerator, and <laughs> and to get it out, they had to take some stuff off of it. 
And then they got it to the other house, okay? And a, a really wise person wasn't there at the time to help these other individuals. <laughs> and so, but they had it under control. They had to get the handle back on their fridge. And so the fridge is in the house. They got it in the house, and so that was a feat. And so they got to get the handle back on the fridge. And so they knew, being the skilled people that they are, a real elaborate way to, they need to go get this elaborate tool from an unnamed hardware store to, that will help tie this thing back on, get it hooked back up to the fridge. And so they did. They got it there. And then when the other person, this wise person, came home, they went, they told about this trouble they had, but they are smart and figured it out. And this is what we did to get it. And then the other wise person said, well, why didn't you just open the door? I mean, to get it on. Instead of getting a real janky tool to screw it on, why don't you just open the refrigerator door and screw it on? And they're like, Oh, yeah. See, I mean, so they assumed they knew the right way to put that on. But, but their assumptions were not right. I mean, they did get it on. There was an easier way to do it. So don't assume that you know God's plan. And even if you do know God's plan, don't assume you know the right way to execute that plan. Don't, the end result is important, yes, but all the steps you go through to get there are important also. So we, we have to ask God. We have to get his uh, counsel and be willing and obedient to what he tells us to do, even if it doesn't make sense to you, even if it's inconvenient for you. Even if it costs you something, like it did for Jesus. Amen? So, that, that needs to be our cry. Not my will, but yours be done, Lord. Um, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do with my life? What friends do you want me to have? You know, ask God to show you things in your life that, that need to change. Amen? How, how can you become better molded to fit... Into, into the mold of Jesus and his example. Amen. Amen. And if you're having trouble with wanting, you know, I think sometimes people don't ask God what his will is because they're scared of what he might say. <laughs> like, I'm not going to want to do that. <laughs> like, he may send me to Africa or, said, well, okay, so to Antarctica. <laughs> He might send me somewhere I don't want to go. Or he might tell me to, you know, we're just, because that's because you're prioritized. You're, you value your will more than his. Well. I just know this, that even if, even if God tells you something, and at first, and you know it's God. And at first, it just was like, man, I didn't really. Or he tells you something you don't want to hear. Just be willing. He will change how you feel about it. 
And just know this, if it's something different than what you thought or didn't want, he has something better. <laughs> he has something better in mind for you. Amen. Praise God. Um, so we need to, being about our Father's business means I'm interested in his will above my own. Amen. And, and be, be obedient to follow his plan. And I, I know this, you got to follow the word primarily. That's, that's following his will. That's being his will in his will is to follow the word. Amen. Follow his specific leadings and instructions for you that you get in times of prayer. And after that, if beyond those things, follow peace. If you don't know, if it's not specifically written in the word, if it's not something he's like you have a strong word from the Lord about something, follow peace. Do, start going the way you're thinking. And if you start not having peace, then back up and change your direction. Amen. We follow peace because um, even if we don't know everything, God's will, God's plan will have peace on it. Amen. So you need to make movement in a direction and you just make adjustments. But just follow peace. Amen. And if, if you do those things, you will be in his will. Amen. Follow his word. Follow his leadings. Follow peace. Amen. That is being about the Father's business. Praise God. So our assignment for this week, you need to be a student of the word. We need to thank God. When we're going to look at the word, we need to thank God for giving us revelation. That is what we're after is revelation knowledge. It's in Ephesians. It says, uh, I pray that you, know, that you have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. That's, those aren't word, just words on a page. It's real. Amen? Believe for revelation, knowledge of the word. Um, and then seek God's will in all you do. So if you've been making some major decisions without the counsel of God, you need to hit the pause button and go pray about it. Right? And see what he has to say. If you don't get a thus saith the Lord, you just need to go where there's peace in that. Amen? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank